Rock and roll. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Inside the Gamecocks podcast, J.C. Sherbert here with you. Monday, May 17th. Good to be with everybody today talking Gamecocks. On a Monday, uh, feel-good weekend for the Gamecock baseball team. Sweeping Kentucky on the road. Much needed uh, win in Lexington. Sometimes things get crazy up there. Uh, obviously, getting to 15-12 and 12 in the league, clinching a non-losing season in the league, especially this year with all the top 10 and five teams the game guys had to play. That, that's an accomplishment. Uh, don't want to say Carolina's back was against the wall because they had already been named one of the 20 potential regional host sites. But you don't win that series, guys, and it, it's there's not a good chance of you hosting. And so Carolina stays alive with that. I think they still need some help. Um, I think that if East Carolina or Charlotte gets a regional, the Gamecocks happen to come up short because they have a really good Tennessee team coming in this weekend that's got its eye on an SEC championship. Um, hey, that's that Greenville or Charlotte would be fine. Uh, and I think that what you're going to run into in these situations is, you know, how many SEC teams are they really going to put in uh, as a host? 16 spots. Are they going to put seven? That's a little less than half uh, on the board uh, for the Southeastern Conference. And so that's that's the big question, you know, coming up. I think uh, how many SEC teams do they feel like are worthy to, to host? And, you know, certainly Carolina's got to beat Appalachian State this week and then probably win the series against Tennessee to be seriously considered as a host spot for the regionals. Uh, but they are in the mix, and they're still alive. And the bats came alive, and Brett Carey had a really good game on Saturday, and I think he solidifies that starting pitching rotation. And, you know, when, when you're – I was talking today on the lot on the Gamecocks podcast with Keith as a guest – uh, when your reliever comes in and throws a, a 94 pitch shutout, uh, you know that's Gamecock baseball because you think back to all the great times in the postseason where Carolina has pulled a reliever in to start and they've made some magic happen going all the way back to the the Ray Tanner era. So, you know, you look at it and it's uh, it's a situation where what you want this time of year in any sport when you're heading towards the postseason is opportunity, and the Gamecocks certainly have an opportunity uh, to move forward and to, to end up hosting a regional perhaps and, you know, try to get the supers and, and all the great things that Carolina does in the postseason as a baseball program or has over the years. Um, just good to be kind of a lock for that tournament. And uh, after the football and men's basketball season, the Gamecocks suffered through this season. It's good to see baseball sort of back on track. I mean, it's a year where I think this team is good, not great. Um, and I think it begs the question after the performance at Kentucky, uh, were the Gamecocks really struggling all that much against those great teams they were playing or were, were they just playing really good teams? I mean, you're just talking about a murderer's row of a schedule until you got to the trip to Lexington and, you know, Carolina came through. So we'll, we'll see what happens this weekend. For those of you out there that, you know, maybe don't associate Tennessee with the best baseball teams in the country. They are this year. This is a cycle up year for them. They've done a good job. They're athletic. They can hit the ball. Uh, they pitch well. Uh, lost two or three to Arkansas this past weekend in a very emotional series. And so um, we'll see what happens. You know, they're 
coming to Columbia trying to win the league. And uh, that's uh, – if you're them, that's what you want to be too. So that's going to be uh, a big series starting on Thursday night uh, at Founders Park. I've uh, been asked a lot, you know, are they going to open up uh, the stadium to 100% capacity? I, I don't know. I uh, haven't heard anything to say one way or the other. Uh, I know that's kind of a popular thing, though, around uh, college athletics, athletics in general. Uh, seems like every day we have somebody else saying, all right, full capacity, and it's fine, as the vaccination numbers for COVID-19 continue to go up. Uh, I think that at the very least we are tracking toward 100% capacity for football in the fall, but I've always thought that would be the case. I, I think – you know, once the football season rolls around, you're not going to have to wear a mask, most likely. I don't want to say that for sure, but I would think you wouldn't have to wear a mask, especially if you've been vaccinated. Um, and then there won't be social distancing. There'll be the crowds again at williams Bryce Stadium. And capacity is now 77,000 since they built the new club level. So hopefully there's 77,000 or so in there for Eastern Illinois when the Gamecocks kick off the Shane Beamer era. Uh, in September. So that's, uh, that's a good thing there. Now, look, I, like I said, with baseball, it's such an immediate decision. I do. I don't know um, if they're going to do that or not. It wouldn't surprise me if so. Uh, but there's, there's that certainly uh, should be a big weekend for the Gamecocks, you know, the, this weekend play in Tennessee. It's a school that South Carolina needs to beat in every sport, every single time out. That's um, an important game, an important series. And there's a lot on the line, uh, not only with Tennessee chasing the SEC title, uh, the East title and all that, the Gamecocks are, are trying to sit there and solidify their position in the postseason. Uh, and, you know, the bats got hot at the right time. Now, Tennessee's obviously got a different level of pitching staff than Kentucky. Kentucky struggled mightily uh, from the mound all weekend with control, hit batters, walks, you name it. Uh, Gamecocks took advantage of it. You know, you got to take advantage of it. Still left too many runners on base, I think, but uh, – you know, who's to argue when you when you score 12 and 9 and 10 uh, over a three-game set in the Southeastern Conference? And, you know, and, and Kentucky, look, they came into that series 11 and 13 in the league. They're trying to get to a regional, too. So it has to be severely disappointing uh, for them to drop all three of those games. I think they have to go to Vanderbilt this weekend, too. So that's it's not a good outlook for the Wildcats. There was their opportunity, and the Gamecocks went up there and – you know, it seemed like they wanted it more. I mean, they played – Gamecocks played more uh, heady baseball, I think. It wasn't always pretty, uh, especially defensively, but Gamecocks took advantage of, of some opportunities given to them and finished, finished out, you know, the sweep in a positive way. Uh, you know, Carolina obviously uh, did some really good things this weekend. And Hats off to the Gamecocks and Mark Kingston. But it all starts Tuesday. If you're chasing a regional host, it starts Tuesday against App. Um, got to get that, can't stub your toe, uh, and then try your best to take two or three from a very good volunteers team. I uh, can't say enough about them. Enjoy watching them play baseball, uh, really. Um, and I know that makes people cringe, but uh, I enjoy watching Tennessee play baseball this year. They've got a really good team. They run well. You know, they, they pitch pretty well. It's a, it's a complete baseball team and certainly deserving of their lofty ranking. Unfortunately for the Gamecocks, it's yet another – uh, top whatever baseball team coming in. Um, but, you know, in the East this year, uh, and Carolina got a tough West draw. You know, they didn't get to play uh, Bama, Auburn, or A&M from the West. Um, against the East this year, Carolina's actually done pretty well. 
and you know the, so far with the teams they've played let's see they were two and one against Georgia, five and one six and three eight and four eleven and four against the 15 games against the SEC East so far and the Tennessee's coming to town so in the division South Carolina's been pretty doggone good they've avoided a sweep they've swept Florida and Kentucky two and one against Missouri two and one against Georgia and then one and two at Vandy so Within the division, South Carolina's uh, got a pretty good record. And I don't know that you would say that's the stronger of the two divisions, but you still have Florida and Vanderbilt and Tennessee uh, who have been among the top 10 teams in the country for just about the whole year uh, in that division. So Carolina's uh, 15 and 12 in the, in the league, 31 and 18 overall. App State, then two against Tennessee. So you got you got four against the guys from the mountains this week coming into Founders Park. Uh, football recruiting news, South Carolina, since I last talked to you, probably, uh, you know, it's, it's up and down. It's been, you know, they've gained and then they've lost, um, or they've lost and then gained. Uh, Anthony Rose, the three, four-star, and he's a low four-star on some of them, uh, three, a high three as far as the composite goes from Hialeah, Florida, or Hallandale, Florida, excuse me. He was the first commit in the class, He's out. He decommitted. That's, uh, you know, I, I'm going to, tr- I'm trying not to sound like I'm spinning this because it's not a, a spin situation. I, I, uh, I do think that's a tough loss. Uh, Cause I, and that's just because I think so highly of Anthony Rose and his upside. I thought he was an absolute steal. Uh, but I'll admit it seemed really early when he committed, you know, and he's a guy that's been at four different high schools. So, and, and that's not an attack on his character or anything like that. That What that says to me is here's somebody that's not afraid to make a sudden change. And with anybody that shows that, you know, a propensity to do that, they their, their recruitments sometimes end up all over the map. Uh, and then it's kind of maybe sometimes whoever has the last, the last word with them gets the guy. Um, and, and that's kind of how I felt when Rose commit, I was, committed. I was like, eh, this may not last, but uh, certainly you're going to have some decommits. Uh, in your classes and things like that. Part of recruiting is keeping guys committed. Um, but I don't think South Carolina did anything wrong. I think Rose just probably – he's getting a lot of attention from some other schools. Time to take, take some visits. You know, official visits are coming up. Uh, so, you know, you look at it, maybe he felt like, ah, I don't want to be uh, committed and then have to, you know, publicly decommit or, you know, visit somewhere else while I'm a committed player. I mean, there's all kinds of reasons. Uh, and he could have opened it back up. I'll say this too, and, and I mentioned this with Keith earlier. Um, you look, and, and even before Rose decommitted, and, and you, we sort of knew Kawan Banks, who committed this past weekend, was on his way. You start kind of looking at the the defensive backs and, and the board and all that, and you're like, well, there's a lot of guys Carolina's up there with. Uh, that's due in large part to Torian Gray, who's an outstanding recruiter, and uh, he recruits all the DBs and, and does a really good job. But, you know, space becomes an issue when you start talking about six, seven guys Carolina could potentially get. Uh, I, I have not heard anything about, oh, Carolina needed to make room for anybody or anything like that with Rose. Uh, and, again, I think, I think it's a significant loss. I mean, don't get me wrong. You, you, can't, you can't spin it, you know, given his upside. Uh, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and talk up a guy when he's committed and then downplay him if not. Uh, I guess my point with saying all that with, with the different players and the numbers is, I think South Carolina is going to be fine when you talk about, um, you know, 
defensive back for this class. I think Gray's going to sign a good class. Now, Banks, uh, 5'10", 170 is what he's listed at. Uh, he's a track guy, a 100-meter qualifier uh, for the state, ran 11.04 seconds. That's not blazing, uh, but it's fast. Uh, you know, I think you're around the 11-second range on the track. That's that's kind of a 4.5-ish, 40. Uh, Banks is a very physical player to be his size. I think that if you're not going to be big back there, you need to be physical. You need to be a guy that can, you know, hit, separate the receiver from the ball, make plays in the run game. Uh, as Will Muschamp used to say, stick your face in the fan and like it. Uh, and on film, Banks shows that from Godby High School in Tallahassee, Florida. Um, you know, and, and I said this earlier too, is he going to come in and start right away? I, I wouldn't project him to do that. But I think in time, you know, he puts the weight on him, he's going to be a pretty good player. So uh, I think that's a, that's a good about he, – he's the type of guy you may look back on May – I'm emphasizing the word may and say, man, that was a heck of an evaluation right there. Taking that kid out of Tallahassee, uh, you know, the Knowles don't always offer the great players from that city. Um, they have, you know, a, a larger, greater board. And if they offer a kid from Tally, um, they, they, they're, they're usually no brainers to be honest. They like to get other guys in camp and stuff like that. So we'll see, you know, sort of how that projects and, uh, and all that moving forward. But uh, Banks is a good pickup. Gamecocks, uh, because Rose left before Banks got, you know, officially committed in the class, the Gamecocks team ranking didn't go up as much as maybe we thought. It's 38th right now, uh, 11th in the SEC. Uh, but I'll go over the SEC team rankings again. This is going to change, obviously. You know, South Carolina's still ahead. They're at 11th. They're right behind Vandy. Uh, Tennessee, Auburn, and Ole Miss – uh, four commits, three commits, two commits for those three schools, all behind. Uh, and there's not, as far as the teams with four commits go, uh, or let's say five or less, uh, South Carolina ranks higher than than all of them. And then that's Tennessee, Auburn, and Ole Miss. Tennessee's got four, Auburn three, Ole Miss two, Vandy seven, Bama and Florida six. So we're still at that phase where, you know, you got Kentucky, Arkansas, Mississippi State, Georgia, LSU. Georgia's 12 commits, LSU's 13 Kentucky's 10, Arkansas's 10, Mississippi State's 11, Missouri is eight. All those are up in the top seven. Um, so in time, you know, th these are all going to change, and I think the Gamecocks are still uh, tracking pretty doggone good. I had a, a lot of crystal ball predictions. Not going to get into a ton of them uh, because they are uh, – I'm going to kind of give behind the scenes on uh, VIP members on the Big Spur in article form later today. Uh, but I'll just tell you this. I went through and crystal balled everybody that's making an official visit except one, two players, I think. And I think one of those guys was uh, Fegans out of Alabama that just scheduled uh, just because I wanted to, you know, call you call your shot pre-visit, you know, and I wanted people to know kind of where things stand right now. Um, some of these guys, you know, I, I, I predicted to Carolina. They may not end up in Carolina. Some of these guys I predicted elsewhere. So that's crystal ball. And, you know, some of these, I'll give you one of the latest ones. I, so Javante McClendon, he's the guy, Lakeland Lake Gibson safety. One of those Florida DBs I was talking about, one of these DBs is high on the Gamecocks. Um, you know, I put one in for him, uh, for Carolina. Blake Alderman, our Florida insider, 24-7 sports, followed me. Uh, it makes sense. Addison Copeland, 
the receiver from New York is another guy I put a crystal ball in for. Um, and then I'll give you another one on the other end. You know, Chris Graves, the athlete uh, out of, I believe, Vero Beach, Florida. He's a big-time player. Uh, I'm sorry, Fort Myers, Bishop Vero, 6'1", 175. Uh, I put in one for Miami just because it, it looks like LSU, Miami, Carolina – uh, and I think the, the Miami Hurricanes have a, an advantage there right now. Still a long way to go. And he's visiting. So there's all that um, as far as crystal ball goes. And, again, uh, not trying to sell you guys anything, but I have a uh, VIP breakdown uh, of all that coming up. Um, coming up on the Big Spur either today or tomorrow. So we'll see that. Uh, switching back to baseball, uh, John Whittle has a, a good free article. Um, coming up on the site or on the site right now, you can look at and uh, good video there choosing the best games to attend each week uh, by Josh Pate, uh, our 24 seven sports national college football uh, talent. Uh, I guess you call him a talent. He's a video uh, on video. Uh, a lot of our talent also writes, but Josh is a, uh, has a show late kick live. Uh, highly recommend that and go follow him at late kick Josh. If you like honest and straightforward and intelligent SEC football analysis, uh, you probably need to uh, hit Josh up. Uh, he's he's one of the more fair people uh, out there, and so I think that's a that's a good deal. Right now, South Carolina, so they're they're seventh in the league. Uh, LSU is sitting on the other side of the, the that bracket at tenth. LSU plays at A and M. A and M's really struggled. Uh, this year right now they don't even project to make the tournament the top 12 makes the tournament uh, and they play LSU this weekend in college station Missouri is seven and 20 but they're right there with Auburn at eight and 19 so Missouri could end up getting in uh, and so that that's the deal now you know obviously a lot can happen but you got Arkansas Tennessee Vandy Mississippi State Florida Ole Miss and then Carolina uh, right there Arkansas plays Florida this weekend that's it's going to be a challenging series for the Hogs and Gators, Tennessee, South Carolina, Vandy and Kentucky. I mentioned that earlier. Uh, Vandy's only played 26 games, too. They're missing a game, so they only have nine losses compared to Mississippi State, which has 10. The Bulldogs play at Alabama. I uh, mentioned Florida and Arkansas. Ole Miss goes to UGA. UGA sitting right there in ninth uh, at 12 and 15. Uh, obviously trying to make you know position themselves. Bama at 12 and 14, they're also missing a game. And so we'll see how it all goes. Um, and Gamecocks certainly have not had the best run of late at the SEC tournament in Hoover. Uh, but, you know, if if Carolina uh, can win the series against Tennessee and then there's any doubt, I mean, you get a couple of games, a couple of wins uh, over at Hoover, you, you may slide into that. But it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I was told by someone on the board, uh, the message board, Gastonia, North Carolina would be the regional if it's in UNC Charlotte, which, um, you know, I, apparently they, they have a, uh, have a, um, a new stadium, Fuse Stadium. <laughs> and, um, you know, Charlotte's uh, right there uh, with it. UNC Charlotte would be able to host it. And then, um, you know, the, the, the fuse ballpark, which is a beautiful ballpark, by the way, uh, would, would be what sort of uh, host that. So it'd be in Gastonia. Still, 
Uh, I think with a ballpark like this, it's it's a situation where, you know, if there's a lot of tickets, you know, South Carolina is right up the road. And so the Gamecocks could actually have a little bit of a home field type of deal uh, if it's in Gastonia. Uh, Greenville, North Carolina as well. I mean, those are all easy drives. So there are some good consolation prizes out there. Uh, I think if you're South Carolina and you don't host a regional, I, I think common sense would say, you know, Gastonia or Greenville, North Carolina would be the places uh, that you would kind of say, well, that makes sense for them to send the Gamecocks there. But who knows? Who knows uh, what will happen with that? I'm going back to baseball right there. Uh, as far as football goes, back to that sport, coaches are continuing to be off this month. Recruiting still taking place. They're still talking. Uh, you got to get ready for the floodgates. That's what I said with my crystal ball article. I was like, I'm going to get ready for the all these visits that keep, you know, that are going to happen coming up. Uh, I've been over them a few. I mentioned earlier, uh, four-star defensive back, Traquan Fagans from Oxford, Alabama. Uh, he's coming in that weekend of, of June 18th. Uh, he's the only one scheduled right now. I do feel like there'll be more uh, that second weekend of June, first weekend of June. Uh, seven guys are coming in. And then the last weekend of June, uh, you got seven more. And so that's uh, that's a good deal. Curtis Neal, a defensive tackle for Cornelius, North Carolina, has already said his official for the first weekend of the season, that Eastern Illinois game we talked about. Uh, and then on Monday, June 7th, you got two guys, Ramon Brown, four-star running back from uh, Midlothian, Virginia, Manchester High School. That's a place Shane Beamer's got deep ties. Uh, Crystal balled him to Penn State, Penn State, Virginia Tech. Uh, I think lead the Gamecocks heading into the visit. Uh, Felix Hickson, three-star defensive tackle out of Jackson, Georgia, is, is supposed to visit that weekend as well, and I did put a crystal ball in for him. Um, and so that Monday there's going to be official. But So, uh, you know, just talking to people around there, they expect people on campus just about every day to visit uh, now that COVID's over. And certainly when you have visits, that, that changes the equation. Uh, most of these guys have been being recruited off Zoom and text and, and haven't had a chance to meet anybody in person or see the facilities. I mean, people sometimes talk about $50 million facility. Well, that hadn't, that hadn't meant anything as far as wins. Well, it's, they've only had, you know, where, where that affects wins is it affects recruiting. You know, and, you know, guys uh, get interested and get fired up about working in a building like that. And they've only had it for like 75 percent of the 2020 cycle. That class actually ended up pretty good, even though they were four and eight. They got Jordan Birch and a lot of good players held that one together. And so you really hadn't had an opportunity for that thing to, to really take off and help uh, in recruiting so far. So. That's good, too. That's why you build that facility right there. So kids come on campus. There's a wow factor, um, you know, and, and you, you also have the situation where Shane Beamer and his staff are, are trying to go real positive, build relationships in a positive manner. Uh, that type of stuff affects recruits, too, and it's harder to do when you're just telling them as opposed to showing them. And, and I think that's the case in life. You know, when you, when you show somebody rather than tell somebody, that's a, that, that means a whole lot. Uh, and so I think, you know, as it applies to recruiting, uh, this has a chance to be a, a pretty successful June. I'll tell you this, if you're one of those people that like me, that I kind of like to sit there and say, okay, well, I'll project the class or whatever. Uh, if you're looking to project the class right now, I, I, 
I'd be shocked if you could do it within 40% accuracy, just because there's going to be a lot of changes, not, not just visiting Carolina, but visiting other schools. You know, a guy may over zoom be really into school a um, because he, he likes the way they talk to him on zoom. He likes the videos and stuff show up at that school. He gets a bad, bad vibe. Then he shows up at your school and he's got a great vibe and then you get it. Um, that's just kind of the, the wild card and how important it has been to, to get guys on campus. That's why I think the you know 2021 class is going to feature quite a bit of transfers, not only because of the new rule, but because so many guys made commitments sight unseen. Uh, and then you get there and you have a different feeling. And, and, and that's just, that's just kind of how it is. That's why, you know, people that are on dating websites don't just date virtually. They go on dates and then they get the feeling and vibe around uh, whoever's there. So that's, um, that's the case right there well, with recruiting and, and all that. Certainly, we will have a lot of that coming up, not only here, but on the Big Spur and all that. We're going to get in the mailbag. And um, there's two ways to get in the mailbag. You can tweet to at the Big Spur pod. Please follow that account. That's our Inside the Gamecocks account. you got some you know, some special things there. And you can also go to Inside the Gamecocks on Instagram. And we got some you know pictures there and stuff like that as Instagram as it is. Uh, and you can tweet to this account. Uh, how you know we've answered it is you get a retweet, which is awesome. Uh, and this first one comes in from Thomas. And he says, I know it's a football podcast, but what do you make of the whole drama surrounding USC at the moment? A lot of hurt feelings between the Chasm family, it seems. And I'm sorry, but as a student, I would be expelled for plagiarism. So I don't know what to think of it. Yeah, I, you know, this is another thing I talked with Keith about earlier today. I, I think the right move was made. And then I think, you know, it's, it's important for, you know, Harris Pestides to come back in. Um, he's a guy that I think had a successful run as a president. Uh, some people do have feelings about him as far as spending money and budgets and all that. And that's certainly valid, but uh, I think he's a guy that led the university through a, a, a peaceful, successful, uh, period. You know, when I say peaceful, not a lot of controversy, not a lot of, uh, you know, embarrassing moments, uh, just sort of a uh, a nice run. And they built a lot of buildings and athletics uh, got better. Um, a lot of successful moments in athletics. He's very supportive of athletics, obviously. Uh, he's the type of guy, too, that I think uh, you know, the NCA obviously thinks a lot of him because they have him on some committees and things of that nature, but he's also a guy that I don't think medals in athletics. And I think that's important for a college or a college president uh, is, you know, don't meddle, you know, don't, you know, you, you've got to defer to your guys that you hire to do the job. I know that makes some of you folks that think Ray Tanner should have been out a long time ago as AD, not, not happy, but I, I think that's kind of the way you got to run things as a school president stay in your lane, be supportive. If any change needs to be made, then um, we may, you know, let's make it, you know, that that's just kind of how you got to go. But Pastides is back. Um, you know, as far as Caslin's kids go, they showed their butt on Twitter when he didn't get the job the first time. Um, they showed their butt on Twitter this past time. That's not a surprise. Uh, it's their dad. So you, you stand up for your dad. And some of the things they say about their dad's correct. I mean, Bob Caslin deserves all the respect in the world for his military career and the service he gave to our country. I mean, that, that's beside the point 
of whether or not he was a good college president for South Carolina or not. Um, I also, you know, based on a lot of people I've talked to that maybe weren't the biggest Caslin fans when he was hired, and I wasn't. I, I thought the whole thing, the way it went down was wrong. You know, regardless of what I think about Bob Caslin as a person, I thought the way it went down was completely wrong and embarrassing, quite frankly, for the university. But, you know, he did handle the pandemic very, very well uh, as far as colleges go. And quite frankly, you know, handled it a lot better than, than some of the schools in the Big Ten or wherever that, you know, had some issues where uh, maybe their school presidents are, have a little bit more of a medical background. Yeah, he, he did a really good job with it. And, um, you know, hats off to him for that. Uh, but I, I think that the embarrassments and the, the optics were at the point where a change needed to be made. I mean, you know, and it just, you know, I, I don't, you know, his son says on Twitter he was set up for failure. I, I don't, I don't know that he was set up by the board of trustees for failure. The board of trustees ends up being a boogeyman for everybody. Um, and, and I don't know that that's the accurate, an accurate description. I, I do think that, particular institution probably deserves to be shaken up a little bit uh, and some new leadership on the board is would probably be welcome. But um, I don't know that they set him up for failure. I think, I think he, the way it went down and the way he was hired set him up for failure to a certain extent, because it, and I said this about Will Muschamp when he was hired as the football coach, when you don't have universal support, your job, you know, you, you don't have much margin for error. You know, and, and Muschamp, you know, you're sitting there rolling, you know, three-fourths of the way through the 2018 season. He's been there three years. The Gamecocks have, you know, at least gotten back to bowl eligibility. Um, and things are okay. And then the bottom started to fall out. Uh, and then all of a sudden it became unacceptable. And that's why in 2019 I was, you know, I would have been in favor of a change just because you don't have that long. You know, you don't have a long, you know, I don't want to say leash or rope. What was it? You don't have a long line. You don't have a lot of line on your fishing pole or whatever. I don't know. That's probably a bad analogy. But, uh, you know, you just don't have that much leeway when you're an unpopular hire. And in the case of President Caslin, that's just the case. And I think it was more, more, most unfortunate for him that some of his gaffes came uh, when it comes to athletics because you have a lot more eyeballs on athletics than you do on any decision on the academic end. I mean, and that's just kind of the that's the blunt of brunt of it. You know, you have a lot more attention when it comes to something that happens with sports than you do with uh, you know, building a new chemistry lab or hiring a faculty member or stuff like that. So I, I think for the University of South Carolina, it's a positive thing. Uh, I think that sometimes if a situation's not going to work out. Uh, the best thing to do is distance and, 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 you know, put that space, you know, get that, get cut ties. Uh, if you, if you're convinced it's never going to get any better, or it's going to be so long that you could do more damage if you, if you don't get it together. Uh, I think it's best to, to part ways. And I think the Gamecocks and, or I'm sorry, the university of South Carolina is fortunate that Harris Pastides is sitting right there and willing to take the interim position uh, and could be kind of a, a, a guiding force or a, a uh, you know, a guy that uh, can stabilize the situation uh, right now uh, as the Gamecocks move forward. I mean, there's a lot going on, you know, as far as you got a new football coach in there, you know, athletically, 
Uh, I'm, I'm switching to athletics again. Got a new football coach in there. You know, baseball, I think now with making the NCAA tournament, you know, there was a lot of speculation uh, about Kingston and his long-term viability. Uh, I think for this year he's answered it. Um, and, you know, that's whether they host or not. I think it's a brutal year in the SEC. Uh, and South Carolina certainly is, you know, held its own. They've lost some games against some really, really good teams. And, and that's, you know, that's to be expected. Uh, and then you got a basketball situation where Frank Martin, uh, if Cousinard and Bryant come back, that that's a situation that could stabilize pretty quickly. Uh, otherwise, you're going to have a change. So, you know, th- there's just a lot of things going on right now with athletics. And, and I think that because we focus on athletics here, having a guy like Harris Pastides that knows the lay of the land uh, and that's an athletics guy um, is a guy that, you know, it, it makes sense. And, and so we'll see what happens, whether this interim is a year, 18 months, six months. Uh, I think the idea is get, you know, uh, get a guy in or a gal in, you know, not, not ruling out a woman for the next president uh, that's competent, that embraces what the University of South Carolina is, uh, and that you know, so again, celebrates uh, the marketplace of ideas. I, I like, like I told Keith on the podcast earlier today. It sounds like I'm repeating a lot of stuff, but it's a different audience. You know, you're, you're probably not. You know, South Carolina as a state is a right-leaning state. You know, a lot of Republicans, a lot of Democrats, but a lot of Republicans too. And so, you're probably not going to get a lot of college president candidates that are lean, that lean to the right or that are conservatives, which is what I, I think the roots of the Caslin thing were, were rooted in that, you know, and, and people on the right uh, believe that there's a lot of ideology that happens um, around college campuses these days. And a lot of it's not, doesn't align with their viewpoints. So uh, I am sympathetic to the fact that some people are like, well, all right, well, you, know, you need somebody that, you know, isn't, uh, a liberal uh, in there. But the problem with that is this, you know, college campuses have been liberal since the 1960s. That's 60 years. I mean, you, you're not going to change that. Uh, and I think what happens is, uh, you know, college students trend to the left and then they get older and they, a lot of them switch to the right. That's just kind of how, you know, me knowing what I know, you know, sometimes you, you get old and you're like, get off my lawn and you're, you're less idealistic about the world. Uh, let's just say that, or you're more realistic about the world, I, I, however you want to put it. Um, and so I think what you want to do, the key is, is you just have to admit, you know, when you're hiring a college president, you're going to hire a liberal most, most of the time, most of the time. And so, you know, you have to accept that. And, and what you want to do is you want to hit the sweet spot because you want to, you know, you want to get a guy that like, is this like Harris Pastides that, I mean, I'm pretty sure that um, Harris Pastides probably leans to the left. I don't want to speak for him. I'm pretty sure he probably does. And uh, but he's a guy that celebrates, you know, diversity in thought, uh, diversity in politics, the marketplace of ideas, which is what college is all about. Um, and, and I think you also need somebody that understands athletics, obviously, uh, because you you want to you want to see things go south pretty quick get a president in there that's not friendly to athletics at South Carolina 
and that starts trying to nickel and dime things and, and, and want some of that money that athletics is producing for, you know, a bigger share of it or whatever to where you're, you know, you're making your football team take the bus places and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I don't remember that ever happening at Carolina, but, um, you know, you don't want that, you know, you, you want to make sure you take care of your athletics department. Uh, and so that's, that's a key to, you, you know, you want to definitely, definitely figure out, you know, what the deal is with regards to, uh, you know, how that president sees athletics in the greater uh, scheme of things uh, in terms of a university, uh, a university community. And so that's that. So, yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I think that it's the, for the best that this move was made. Um, I don't really care about Caslin's kids. I think they're just standing up for their dad. and That's fine because, you know, family's family. Uh, but it's not a surprise. I mean, you know, like they showed their butts when it looked like he wasn't going to get the job. My, 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 you know, and so that's uh, that's just uh, I guess that's what happens. Sons and their dads and, and all that. And, and that's fine, you know, because I think all of us would probably react in the same member or the same way if it was one of our family members. So that that's fine. All right. So you can also get in the mailbag by inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. Keith, who is a frequent emailer, says, do you think the amount of injured high school players South Carolina takes is an issue for the football team? When I saw that we received a commitment from quarterback Braden Davis, I wondered what part of his body he injured in high school, and sure enough, he had an ankle injury. Seems like we take a lot of players with previous injuries, and then we're shocked and angry when they have a ton of injuries during the season. Are high school injuries very common, or is this unique to the Gamecocks? It's common in the sense that I don't think South Carolina takes – you know, you, all right, so ankle injury, whatever, you know, sat out a little bit. Th- those are all recoverable injuries. South Carolina does not take more, any more like ACL guys, you know, like if you blew out your ACL th- than any other school. It just maybe seems like it a little bit. And then I think, too, it, it all gets back to having depth and expecting some guys to step in and play right away as true freshmen. Um, and then they're probably not ready. Like Jaheim Bell last year, you know, they really needed Jaheim Bell. That passing game last season, it would have been great had Jaheim Bell been healthy for the get-go of preseason camp, not had any setbacks. They could have been part of the passing attack. Uh, obviously, you saw him in the spring game, how good he looks. But he just wasn't ready to go, and he got behind and, and I think at a school that has depth, you're not going to notice that as much than if you're like out there last year, like Carolina was with one wide receiver. And you're just looking for anybody else to step up. And you got this guy that's, you know, super talented that could have helped, but he's injured. So I think it stands out more. Um, I think injuries in general, Keith, are an issue at South Carolina. And uh, I'm hopeful that the 25% of the guys that sat out in the spring game are just minor things. You don't want to get it. You don't want to re-aggravate it. Uh, and I think Shane Beamer's a lot like Steve Spurrier, and that is like if you don't risk it, if you don't have to, um, go out there and, and you know you, you don't want a guy with a sprained ankle going out in your spring game and making it worse, maybe fracturing it or something, and then he's out you know the whole summer because the summer is important for a lot of these guys. Gamecocks have to get bigger, stronger, faster across the board. You know, especially with the number of newcomers that are going to play places like the secondary, you know, you need all those guys, not only healthy and ready to go for fall, but 
for the summer because the summer program is going to be important. That's an opportunity to get better. Um, I do think that during the Muschamp era, injuries were an issue. Um, I thought last season, 2020, you know, it seemed like, and this is kind of the mirage of the Muschamp era to a certain extent, it seemed like maybe they were, you know, okay for a while. Uh, and then we find out Xavier Leggett's been out since week three, <laughs> uh, you know, and things like that, you know, where you're kind of wondering where guys went and, you know, with Leggett, you didn't know whether he just wasn't catching the ball or, or what, cause he wasn't a polished guy, but uh, you know, that was the whole thing there. So, uh, and then toward the end, you know, you had the COVID ops opt outs and a lot of guys play in positions they never played. I mean, the, the end on defense it, it, you know, it almost that, that defense that lined up and played Kentucky in the season finale arguably was more shorthanded than the defense that played Clemson in 2018 when you had a walk on taking snaps at DN most of the game. And of course, Tigers had 744 yards. Gamecocks had 600 in that one. But, uh, you know, they just went up and down the field. Carolina couldn't stop them, they had no chance. Uh, and so I, I think I think that team that lined up against Kentucky at the end, when you look at who actually was playing, um, that's not even close to what the defense is going to be this year, personnel-wise. Uh, hopefully execution-wise, too. Hopefully they can get more stops they did in that one because that one was ugly, but you sort of expected it. And I was told before they went up there, they were like, look, you know, there's like two linebackers on the team that can play right now. Uh, and you can't win football games against anybody doing that. I, I, I think that if that was the lineup they had against Vandy, that Vandy probably would have given them a game, maybe able to beat them. So that's the bottom line there. But I, I agree, Keith. Look, the, the, the key to this season, and, and I'm going to have this as a key to any game kind of season moving forward, uh, is to to make sure you stay healthy. You know, Carolina just doesn't right now. They're just not in a place as a program where you have vast amounts of depth. You can develop that over time, but you know it's, it's it's rarely happened during the SEC era. Even go go back to those Spurrier teams, look at the two deep, and then take like four starters off of it and put up the guys that were behind them on the field. And some of those outcomes of those games, I can assure you, are going to be a lot different. Um, so South Carolina, as a program, must stay healthy, and that's one of the great things Spurrier did. So. Mitchell says, hope all is well. I got a question about the Fort Mill quarterbacks, Carson Black and Jaden Davis. I know it's extremely early right now, but if you had to pick one of them, which quarterback do you think has a strong chance of ending up at South Carolina? With the recent commit of Braden Davis for 2022, do you think it might prevent one of the Fort Mill quarterbacks from coming to Columbia in a few years? Even though I'm not Dr. Strange and can't see into the future, I would have to lean on Crystal, or excuse me, on Carson Black being a Gamecock than Davis. I think both of them will ultimately strongly consider South Carolina. I think Davis will have bigger schools. Since he might be the best player in the state and in the country, I'll be shocked if Clemson doesn't offer him. Otherwise, I think we end up with one of them that would be great fits. I don't have any issues with Davis. The only issue with Black is his height and accuracy looking at his film. And Black's got to get better. Um, I still think he's on the radar, though, pretty solid. Um, with Davis, Carolina's going to do everything they can to sign the guy. Uh, I promise. Uh, will it work out? I don't know. I mean, that's a long way away, a long way away. Um, and Georgia, he's got ties to Georgia. He's from Georgia. You know, it, it, who knows? <laughs> Georgia's offered him. I mean, uh, I'll say this, uh, 
Lenora Sellers from South Florence is a 2023 guy to keep an eye on too. Uh, working out with Ramon Robinson, who, you know, coached up Jay Ulrich and some other guys, Martavius Bryant, some of those guys. Uh, Lenora Sellers from South Florence could be a guy that, that really, you know, starts his momentum may start getting up there too. Uh, Carolina, I don't think's offered, but they are definitely uh, on the radar. He's definitely on their radar. So a lot of good quarterbacks coming up in the state. Uh, we'll see what Jaden Davis does. And, um, and yeah, uh, and I think Davis is a, is a guy that, yeah, I'd be pretty surprised if Clemson does not offer. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I think he's that good. So we'll see what happens. All right. That's all the time for today. We have here on the inside the game guys podcast, please be sure Continue to get those mailbag questions in inside the game guys at gmail.com or tweet to at the big spur pod. Um, also follow us on Instagram inside the game guys, go to the Apple Apple podcast store and uh, rate us five stars, write a review uh, that helps us tremendously uh, be the number one game podcast, according to some rankings. And they're not, uh, they're not like the U S news and world reports college rankings where, you know, you can pull, you know, campaign <laughs> i've done no campaigning my friends uh and get gotta get it done like that all right guys uh be back later this week a few more podcasts for you uh again baseball doing well recruiting doing well not a ton to talk about but uh if there is we'll be right here to do it jc sherbert signing off inside the game guys podcast <laughs>